This is the Color Pencil Podcast, session number 74. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I'm joined by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Ah, feels like forever since we've spoken, Lisa. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, you know, I know one guy uh, listened to a show, a podcast, and he always says, oh, happy generic time of the day. I love that one. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, what are we talking about today, Lisa? Today, we're going to give our listeners some tips on things to do and maybe not to do when you're selling at art fairs. So when you decide that you want to show at one of these events and you sign up for it, and we'll go over some tips when you do this, but when you sign up for all of this, you need to be prepared for a few things. One, you're probably going to want a tent. If you're working outdoors, you're not going to want to just set up with some easels and tables. You're going to be under the sun. You generally are going to need a tent. And there are some shows I've done that did not require you to have one. I've done it with and without. So make sure you look into that. Find out before you start what kind of tent. Some are are specific to what color you use. Some, usually white is safe, but some wouldn't, would allow blue, but not black or yeah, if they have all kinds of different rules, definitely check into the rules of all of this before you get started. Don't just assume that what we're listing out here is all you need to know. You'll want to check with the whoever's putting on the art show or art fair and get as much information from them as you can as well. Yeah. And when you set up your tent, you're also or when you when you purchase your tent, rather, I should say, um, you also want to think about the fact that Most of your art shows, you're going to be displaying rain or shine. And so you want to think about the fact that it could be just pouring down rain. And that's actually happened to me a couple of times. Yeah. And if you think that you can just not show up that day because you're worried about ruining your stuff or whatever, they won't allow you. Many of them will not allow you to ever show with them again. You have to be there. So definitely take all of that into account when you're, you're picking your tent. And the other thing is these start getting set up and it, uh, and your admission forms to the show are solicited. The one that I'm thinking of that I do just about every year is called Art Affair. And I have to submit that. I think it's eight months in advance of the uh, show taking place. Some of them are like four or six months. But there's often a, a, a little open window of time. And it's, I think, generally around a two months that you get the invitation to enter the show if you're going to apply to the show and then you get an acceptance within that time frame. Uh, but once that's done, then it, you know you've missed the time frame if you're if you're not entering within that time frame or submitting your application. Sometimes you can get on a waiting list though if they allow a waiting list. All right. So with that backdrop in mind, Lisa and I are going to just talk about some of the things to keep in mind then. When you are preparing and when you're there at the show. Okay, so 
the first thing to watch for is your setup. When you're setting up your booth, they will give you a designated place of where you set that booth up. You don't just show up and start setting up anywhere. But when you set up, you want to consider things like how low certain displays on your setup are. Do you have prints that are down low enough that a dog can walk by and lift their leg on it? Even if the show does not allow dogs, which most do not anymore because of this, uh, you'll still get people that bring their dogs or you'll have strays that, that wander by. You want to make sure that everything is in a, a location that is out of reach of sticky toddler fingers and out of reach of a dog walking by and lifting their leg on it. So you want to keep things up on a table that most dogs aren't going to reach because it, especially with original artwork or I mean, even with the prints though, anything you've got yeah. down low, can you imagine having a stack of maybe a thousand dollars worth of prints and a dog walks by and lifts their leg on them? Right. You just lost all of that. So you really, really want to be aware when you're setting up that you've got things up high enough to avoid that. Even if the the show does not allow dogs, you want to be aware of it. The fact that people will bring them anyway. And again, kids and sticky fingers can be a problem, not as big as the dogs, but that's a big deal. You want to watch out for theft. Is it going to be super easy for somebody to just walk by and take a bracelet that you made? Make sure that you've got it set up in a way that's a little bit more difficult for people to do. They need to be able to see what you have available, but not walk off with it super easily. Yeah, another thing I would add to that, Lisa, also is after you get it set up the way that you like it and the way you want it to look and everything's presentable, then it's a good idea to have your camera with you and have someone take some pictures of you in your booth. And you can also just take the pictures yourself of the setup of your booth because some of the shows that you enter, they actually will require. Now, not all of them require, but some of them will require that you have a photo of your booth already set up and that that's a good thing to to do then while you're while you're there doing your setup very good tip okay so number two um we're going to talk for just a second then about how you treat customers whenever they enter your tent now this is no different than if you had a physical space that you permanently set up at maybe you have an open studio that you allow people to come in and view uh, you as you're as you're drawing a painting or whatever but if you have a store someone comes into your store How do you treat people? Someone comes into your home. How do you treat people? It's no different. You want to be able to greet the person, make them feel welcome, not make them feel pressured or anything like that, but make them feel welcome and that, you know, they're they're a welcome guest into your little space here. And, you know, maybe you could maybe you're good at the gift of gab. Maybe you can small talk just a little bit without overly, you know, pushing your art. But you know, you may just want to hang back and look and see what they're viewing and then talk a little bit about uh, the art piece that they're viewing. And, you know, that'll engage people often, I found, and then they'll start talking about whatever it is they're looking at. And maybe they'll ask about your process or or they'll say, well, what what, uh, what do you charge for a commission piece of my grandmother or something like that? Because they see something that's recognizable in another piece that you have there. Yeah, if you can get that conversation started, that is so key because you're selling you as much as the artwork itself. I was actually, just a funny story, I was at Great Fest recently here in Grapevine, Texas, and I love reclaimed wood furniture, and I'm actually needing another trunk for storage. So I was excited to see somebody there that did sell this stuff. So I'm standing out. I'm not anywhere near this booth yet. I hadn't gotten to that point. I'm out in the street at a distance and I'm using my GoPro to film the street because I'm making clips for the end of one of my videos. 
the people in the booth with the reclaimed wood start jumping out at me yelling, no photos, no photos. I'm sorry, what? You're in a public space. You don't get to say that. Actually, uh, we talked about this, John. I didn't tell you, though. I ended up yeah. contacting the city and told them about this. And oh, they good. emailed me the next morning and said, yeah, we'll talk to them about that tomorrow. Um, oh, but wow. they had, as it turned out, they had signs. And I didn't see this because I wasn't even near their booth yet. Once you got closer, you no could see they had signs. No GoPros from Lisa Clow, Lockery yeah. Art. <laughs> they had signs that said all over it, no photos. You don't get to do that when oh, you're brother. in a public space. So if you have somebody come to your booth and they're taking photos or video. Now, if they've got their big camera set up and they're getting a photo that like they're going to be taking prints and stuff. Yeah, okay, that's an issue. If they're taking clips of it with their phone, you don't get to tell people not to do that. That's You're in a public space right. in most of these shows, so you have no rights as far as that goes. You need to be aware of that and not jump all over people. Like I said, the funny thing is, I probably would have bought from these people. And the wood chests I'm looking for, I've got about 300 saved. I may have spent $300 right. right then. That would have more than paid their fees for the entire weekend. But no, they jumped all over me. I don't know if they just looked at me and assumed I wouldn't be a, a buyer, so they don't need to be nice to me. And that's the thing. You don't, you want to, and I think this goes into another point, don't assume that because of how somebody looks that they're not going to be somebody who's going to buy from you. Don't assume because of their age that they won't. Don't don't make assumptions. You never know. Be kind and polite and just open yeah. to everybody. Because like I said, these people just lost about $300 that I very likely would have spent assuming they had a wood chest. If they didn't, I probably would have had one custom made from them. So the it's just so bizarre that people yeah. would treat, like, why are you even at a show if you're so worried about your privacy or about, I don't know why they didn't want photos taken if they thought other artists were going to steal their designs. I don't know what the deal was, but don't that don't is, be so protective yeah. of that everything is bizarre that you're running all of your right there. Off. I mean, they're living in 2016. Everyone has a phone, a camera. On their phone. <laughs> uh-huh. And if you held it up anywhere near their booth, they yelled at everybody. And the funny thing is their booth was empty. They they uh -huh. bought two spaces. This was a big booth because they had yeah. the furniture. So oh, they yeah. were paying an arm and a leg for this this space. Well, no. And nobody was going over there yeah. because everyone saw them yelling at people. I Yeah, I don't give that a long time. Um, that business is not going to last no. if they if they continue that practice. I mean, that's just not real smart. Yeah, you definitely, yeah, you want to be aware of how you're treating people. I mean, if you see someone walk up with yeah. a toddler and you're just cringing like, oh, they're going to touch everything. They're going to yeah. knock it down. Right. Be polite. You don't know. You don't, I mean, that person may be, very, you know, keep an yeah. eye on them, but be polite about it. You don't know that that's what's going to happen. And they may be the person who would spend $1,000 on a painting. But let's sidebar here for just a second, then, Lisa, on this, uh, taking pictures of booths like that. That, is, to me, that's free advertising. And if somebody's going to take a picture of your booth setup uh -huh. and they're going to feature your products on social media or maybe they're going to email it to a friend or whatever it is, they're marketing for you. That That's awesome. Exactly. And most booths are going to have signs. And this is another thing. Make sure that you do have your logo with your name yeah, printed fairly big. That's hanging off a table or something up yep. front so people will recognize your brand. Yeah. But no, you're right. That is free advertising. This is not something to freak out about. And if somebody copies yeah, your artwork, gonna they're going to copy, copy it. it anyway. They can find it online. They can, you know, don't be so worried about it that you're running people off. Yeah, chances are the, the, I, I don't think they probably had just some kind of mind-blowing design anyway. So anyway. No, it's reclaimed wood. They're essentially boxes on sticks. Yeah, so they're... You know, they're repurposing some design. So anyway, there we go. 
All right. Number three, make sure you have price tags and that your charges are clearly defined. Maybe you're advertising that you're doing commissions or something. I do that. And I put a price list right out there on the table right next to my cards. And I have it, you know, I have it printed up very nice looking and uh, uh, very colorful. Well, I mean, it's not real colorful, but it has my logo and I make sure that it's very presentable. If they have to fish around or look around too long trying to find price tags on anything, uh, they're probably just not going to. They're not going to ask. They're going to get frustrated and leave. Yeah, they're not going to. And a lot of a lot of artists don't. And I see this all the time at these things. They don't have price tags at all. It's not even an issue of not being able to find them. They no, just they aren't there. I mean, People it's the same way if you go to, you know, uh, the store and you can't find the price tag on something. Most of the time, I just, I'll go on. It's like, forget that. Does it, it cost me too much time. I don't yeah. have time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny. I think it's kind of a good, good showing or telling point. You have a lot of the stores now, like Target and Walmart. A lot of right. them have those price scanny things. Those oh, things, yeah. you know, had to cost an arm and a leg, but they were probably losing probably were. so much money off customers who did not know the price of stuff that it more than paid for itself and having those installed all over their stores. Yeah. That it's a big deal. If people don't know the price, they're generally going to assume it's out of their price range or out of their budget so they won't bother asking. They don't want to be embarrassed when they ask and have to go, oh yeah, I'm not interested. It's awkward. So and be firm on your, you know, just, just say what your price is. Just be firm on your price too. Uh, don't, don't, you know, be confident in what it That's is. That's a big deal. Be confident in it. If you're wishy-washy, You'd instill no confidence in that your artwork is of the value you're asking for. This is the price. And don't go down on it. If people start trying to negotiate prices. It's not a yard sale. It's not. um, (laughs) Yes, exactly. This is not something you make your prices and you stand by them. And when you when people will start going, well, will you take $20 less? Will you take this? Will you take that? Usually those people weren't going to buy anyway. That's the funny thing is you, if you give them the price they asked for, if they don't buy it and now someone else heard you can get a better deal, that's going to irritate them. And the people who have paid full price, right. that isn't fair to them. I mean, they don't just set your price. Exactly. That is what it is and stick to it. So number four, make sure you've got, we were talking about this already a bit, have your cards with your website and your marketing. Now, your business cards, when you have these printed, don't have every single way someone could possibly find you. You don't want all of your social media, all of, you know, website, and art, your print shop. Your, you don't want to have 20 different things because if you put too many things on that website, you, they're probably not going to choose any. Keep it extremely simple. Make the writing nice and big. You can have an image of your artwork on it so they remember, and I think that's really something I recommend so they remember who the artist was but for your cards mine are really simple it's got my name my phone number my email and my website or actually no I don't even think it has my yeah. email maybe my website and YouTube but there's three things stick to that don't try to put and I used to do this I would put a whole list of things portrait artists surreal work blah blah you know I had a paragraph of all the things I did classes this and that it did me no good. Besides the fact that the writing was way too small, it gave no one a reason to go to my website. When you set out these cards, your goal is to get them to come back and buy more right. stuff from you or to go to your website and order from you there if they're not going to order now. Get them to your website. Let there be a little bit of mystery, some reason they want to see what information you've got at your website. If all the information is on your card, they have no reason to go see all the good stuff at your website. So make sure, keep it fairly simple, and then make sure that you do have the websites ready to go. I, going back to Great Fest, there was a person who I wanted to order something from for my dad. They sold out. I'd gone back the next day to get more. They had sold out. So I went to their website 
website, which had no real way to contact them. You couldn't place an order. It told you where to buy it, but everything where they told you to buy them, those stores were closed so down. Annoying. So it was just this total out-of-date website. It was really bad. So when I went back the next time, they gave me a different card to contact them. It's a Yahoo email address, which... It, not so professional. Um, it ideally would be their, you know, hiddenoaks.com or whatever it is. So that wasn't so great. And again, there's no way to order on their website. And it's so funny to me how, I mean, they're losing out on that sale. So I've emailed them and it's being, it's impossible. It is being very difficult. While they say they take orders online, it is very difficult. And it's not even online. It's through the phone. There's another person who I brought this really pretty leather cuff from. And they don't sell online at all. She only sells at art fairs. If she had an Etsy store, I guarantee you I would buy more from her. But I have no way. Like, I will not see her again until next year. How many sales is she missing out on? Because I bought one of the cuffs. I absolutely love it. I would love to buy more from her. It was just so well made. I loved everything about it. She doesn't even have an Etsy shop, nothing. No way for me to buy more things from her. So you want to keep in mind, it's not just about making the sale at the time of the the art fair. You're going to have people who want to come back and buy more stuff from you, where they go home and think like I did with this one, the person I wanted to buy a gift for my dad from. I, I came back, but they were sold out. Well, I could order from them online, except they don't, they're not really set up for that. So make sure that you are, and even if it's just an Etsy store, that's fine. If that's all you have right now, that is fine. Have a way for people to still purchase from you online. Yeah, and you can even do like a one-page website, and then for the shopping cart, you just yeah. redirect them to Etsy. If that's all you can get set up before the show, just do something and make it incremental that you keep improving in these areas where you're uh, serving your customers really well. Another thing I do, Lisa, since we're on the topic here, I have little half cards is all I get printed up, and I use Moo.com for printing these, and I have... This little card on the back, I use a QR code so that they can just scan it with their phone and it pulls up my website immediately. And I just have my name, my email address, and my website on there. I like the QR code. Just make sure, like what John's doing, he still has his website on there and his email address. He still has the way to contact because a lot of people don't know how to use those. Yeah, I do have the website on there. So they're good to have for those who do, but just make sure it's not your only way. Like, don't keep it so simple that that's all it is. So number five would be have make sure you have a sign and sample for any commissions. If you're someone who takes commissions, make sure people can see that. Make it aware. Have a price list out so they know what to expect because it's the yeah. same thing as not having price tags on your original artwork for sale. If they don't know, they're probably going to assume it's too much. So if you've got a breakdown of this is what I charge for this size with this many people in this medium, have that printed up and hung under your sample so people can see without having to ask. And of course, you can talk to them, but if they have to ask, they probably won't. It's the same as the prices. Yeah. And then another thing that I do, and this is something I would suggest as well, is you can have a book or a pad of paper out there or something that is more uh, structured with some lines or whatever, and just have an option for people to sign up for your email list. And then you can also promise them something uh, when they uh, sign up for that, if you want to give them a discount maybe, uh, or whatever, if they mention the show or whatever. That is a great idea. And that works really well. I've gotten a lot of people sign up uh, that way. All right. So number six, have good quality professional prints available on hand. And if you're having a G clay available of some of your original work there, then make sure it's labeled as such because you got that higher price on it. You know, you want to make sure people know this is a G clay instead of the original work or just a high quality print. Um, and it's just a quick word about that. Let's be real 
honest and forthright with our customers on that. If it is actually a gicle that you had produced and it really is one, then put that on there. But if it's not, don't don't say that it is. If you printed it on your 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 HP printer at home, um, it's just not fair to people if it starts fading in you know uh, yeah. twenty years or whatever whatever it is or less time than that. I don't know, but yeah, I mean it's not it's it's relatively inexpensive now though to get good high quality uh, prints made of your artwork and have those available and it's a good I think option we need to have people. a podcast very soon talking about different to places to get prints we do doing need that. to do That'd that be a good and one. the differences between yeah. high quality print and a g clay yeah now if you can't afford i know i couldn't when i started doing art fairs there is no way and especially back then uh, i mean i think i had a one megapixel like it just said megapixel it didn't even have a number on it because it was just one um, digital camera so getting high quality photos to do the prints was not really possible for me but i could do enough to do postcards postcards are are a great, fairly inexpensive way to have something to sell. And I used to sell them for $2 a piece. You could probably easily do $3 a piece or, mm -hmm. you know, two for five. That's what I used to do. I think I used to do three for $5, something like that. You get teenagers, they've always got a couple dollars to drop. And that's one of the main things I sold at these fairs were the postcards. That's how I made a lot of the money because people were perfectly willing to drop a few dollars for, a especially if I had the painting hanging there and then the postcard next to it. That That's was a really idea. easy sell for very inexpensive, and it's a great way to get started if you don't have the money to get the nicer prints right off the bat. Yeah. And you're getting your name uh, in someone's hands. You know, they'll remember you again. Exactly. You're going to put your website on the back. You're going to – it's almost like they're paying for a really fancy business card. That's right. The next thing we want to talk about is for travel and safe storage of your art. This is a big one. I have damaged so many of my bigger paintings because I didn't have them stored properly or wrapped properly for shows. Taking a bicycle Whether, up there or something? I'm sorry? You're riding a bicycle up to the show? No, I don't ride bikes. Oh. Fun fact, I fall off of them and run into parked cars and mailboxes. But it was an issue as a kid. So um, I gave up on that a long time ago. But no, you want to make sure that you've got everything wrapped very well. Protect your work. Uh -huh. One of my favorite ways to do this for bigger paintings anyway, or if I've got a framed colored pencil piece, is that I wrap it. I get the felt. You can go to the, the craft store and get a big bolt of felt for fairly inexpensive. All mine is in teal, so it goes with my brand, which is nice. But I basically sewed along two edges and made a really easy pillowcase to slip them in. But that felt, it's a little bit thicker than what a pillowcase would be. And the pillowcases were not protecting my work. And this way I can make them whatever size I want, but I can protect them. And I think you need to really plan out how you're going to keep your work safe. And it depends on if you've got all of the framed work, if you're in colored pencil, that's probably the case. You know, maybe ha making the little box corners to protect the frames there. You've got to come up with ways, good ways to protect it. There were quite a few shows when I first started, because I was 19 when I started this. I was just throwing paintings in my truck. What happened, happened. Some bad things happened. So make sure that you put a little bit more time into making sure that everything's very well stored, very safe, that it's not going to get damaged, that you don't have one painting pushing up against another where it's stretching the canvas or the corner of a frame pushing on your colored pencil framed work that breaks, cracks the glass. Be aware of this sort of thing. Be Really do your research on this and get ideas of what other people are doing to protect their work for travel because that's probably the most trouble that I ever had was having stuff get damaged because of what I did to it. Yeah, and, and don't underestimate the time involved in getting all of that prepped up and ready too. It takes a lot oh, of time. Yeah. So be sure to prepare for that. 
Okay, so the next one is we want to talk for just a second then about uh, demoing some of your artwork while you're at the show. Now, there are some good things to, to say about that, and there's some pros and cons. I like to do this a little bit. It sort of engages people if they come into your booth. If you sit right outside of where where I was, if I, I, I would sit right outside of my booth, and then I was able to draw something that that I was working on. In, uh, and I a lot of times I do this in charcoal because it's just faster. And it's a good way of demoing something and people are able to watch. And they like to do that. People, It gets people involved and gets them interested. Problem is, you start ignoring people because you're so involved yes. with drawing. And you get into it and you forget, oh, these are customers. They want to talk to you. They want to have, you know, uh, you know, you want to engage. You want to banter. You want to strike up some conversation with people. And you ignore people sometimes if you do that. Yeah, you definitely have to watch that. But on the flip side, sometimes doing a demonstration can be what draws someone to your booth. Yeah. The next thing we want to talk about is, are all art shows worth it? You really want to look into the show before you sign up. I strongly recommend go to the show the year before for their previous one before you sign up to do it because Mm -hmm. they are not all created equally. Mm -mm. There are some shows that are just so unorganized, so just thrown together and the artwork's not kept safe. The booths aren't, you don't know where your booth is. I mean, there can be an absolute mess depending on who is organizing this. The other thing is going to be what time of year are you signing up for this? They have a show in Frisco that I've been interested in. I, I suspect it would actually be kind of nice, except it's always in March yeah, we had ice storms in March still here in Frisco. Yeah. Um, we usually have rain and we we are still prone to ice storms. And I'm thinking there is no way I'm going to pay five $600 to right. sell when there's that potential for that bad of weather. These are outdoors. And that's something to look into, too. Is it indoor or outdoor? If it's indoor, you don't really have to worry about that. Outdoor definitely can be an issue. Yeah. And look at the style of art and the flow of traffic, you know, what, how people are walking in and out of booths, that kind of thing. When you go to the show... Sometimes the style of art just isn't a good match for what maybe you're doing. If there's a lot of fiber art in a show, I I think it's one that I would steer clear of. Um, but if there's a lot of representational art, then maybe that would be a good fit. But sometimes even just the flow of traffic. If you're on the fringe, if you're way out by the, the side street and no one goes down there, then it may not be worth your money to enter that show. And that that's something that maybe you don't have a lot of control over. But if you get in yeah. soon with the show, if you get in, uh, put your application in early and it gets accepted early, I kind of think maybe you have a better shot at having a better spot. And look and see, make sure that there are plenty of spots where there's good traffic flow uh, no matter where you are. And make sure that that show even has any traffic flow. I've done a lot of them where I swear 20 people the whole day walked by. That's it. Like in the entire, there just weren't people there. Another thing is if it's a show that focuses more on crafts, people expect to spend about $20. Yeah. Fine art is not necessarily the best thing for those. Those shows I didn't do very well at because like I said, people, they want to spend $20 on something. They don't want to buy a $300 painting. Yeah. They don't value visual art. Those kind of people typically that are going to a craft. I think, too, it's what they're expecting to see. Right. I mean, my mom values visual art and crafts, but if she's going to a craft show, she's not planning on spending $300 on a painting. That's exactly right. And they're going to value your art. They're going to devalue your art if it's among that kind of stuff. 
All right. Yeah, nothing wrong with it, but yeah, not the right venue. Okay. One of the big reasons, Lisa, that I do that uh, email list that we talked about earlier is related to this one, the follow-up. What do you do after the show? Well, if I've got their email, then I have some contact with that person. I can continue the conversation with that potential buyer later on and by you know staying in contact with them on my email list. But there are other things that you can do as well. Maybe you did a uh, a giveaway or something at the show and uh, you've collected names and so you have a, a reason now to follow up with them. There's got to be something that you're doing marketing-wise while you're there that you're thinking about. You're going to follow up. You're going to have some kind of uh, way of contacting the customer, some reason to do it after the show. And if someone signed up and they said they wanted more information about a commission piece or something like that, or even if they were a buyer, then hopefully you got enough information from them while you were there and, and uh, completing the transaction that you can have more conversations with them in the future. The best customer that you'll ever have is somebody who purchased from you before. And if you can get that conversation going enough that it's natural to get a business card from them, because like, yeah. everyone has them now. If you can get a business card from them, write on the back a little note about the person, who it was, something that from your conversation. Then when you go home the next week, send them an email. Mm. Hey, I really enjoyed talking about whatever you talked about. How's the, you know, if they shared about their kid, how's your kid doing? You know, whatever right. it was, try to make it very personal. Get to know that person a little bit more because those will, like John was saying, those are what who are generally going to turn into some of your better customers. Yeah, exactly. And, and this, this is something I, I've been guilty of in the past. And it's something that if I've gone on interviews, I've been guilty of in the past as well. But I see the power in it is you don't let that conversation die. You keep the conversation going. That's all marketing is. That's all follow up is. After you have an interview for a job, for, let's say, you know, what do you do? You send a thank you. You know, it's the same kind of thing. You keep the conversation going. Well, those are some ideas. Give you some ideas on how to conduct your own show if you're going to going to enter a show. I'm sure you guys may have some other suggestions, and we'd love to hear about those. Uh, we can discuss that over in the Colored Pencil Podcast group on Facebook, or you can hit us up on Twitter at Sharpened Artist or at Lockery. And the show notes are over there at sharpenedartist.com/podcast. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. The next thing we want to talk about are all art shows worth it. What do you want to look... No. The next thing we want to talk about is... Ah, you're contagious. Are going the direction of having cliches... Wow, just butchered that word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. I've got a mental block. How, how do you how do you pronounce that? G G. I think it's G Clay. G Clay. I thank you. Wrong, yes. Though. No. You're right. I. Oh, sorry. Are you take the next one. I mean, you take the uh, last yeah. I'll two, take them so all. So you, you can sit back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was going to tell you a funny story real quick. Um, I went I went into McDonald's and ordered a coffee, and this is something I heard um, and I read in a book said to do that you go and you ask for a discount somewhere. So I, and it takes a lot of courage, they said, to, to get yourself out of your comfort zone and ask for a discount, you know. So I went up there and I did it. I asked for a discount, and I think she actually gave me a senior discount. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, she didn't even ask any questions. So I think I'm not flattered at all. So it's like, oh okay. God.
You think I'm just... <laughs> that is awesome. That's what you get for trying to get things oh, for cheaper. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. I just happened to think of that. We're talking about pricing. <laughs> These people... I, the foot, oh, Sorry. The funny thing is, though, there's definitely good and bad about that. You just have to be aware of it. I don't know where I was going with that. That's all right. That's I just stopped. <laughs> yeah, what were you wearing? I'm just kidding. <laughs>